John Drake from Talking Into Infinity, a Dream Theater podcast here. Are you into stuff other than hard rock or heavy metal? Specifically, are you into, say, Star Wars? Well, if you are, I have a kick-ass Star Wars show that you've got to go check out. It's mine. It's called the Nerf Herder Council, and we go live every other Wednesday at 8.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on our Facebook page and our YouTube channel. It's definitely not your typical Star Wars show. We don't take ourselves too seriously, and we don't take Star Wars itself too seriously. The conversation is basically what you'd hear if you went to a bar and ran into three dummies just sitting at the bar getting drunk and talking about Star Wars. So if you are into Star Wars, go check out the Nerf Herder Council. You can find us at nerfherdercouncil.com. And again, we do go live every other Wednesday at 8.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Facebook and our YouTube channel. So uh, check out the show, and may the Force be with you. And it's a block of Skid Rowish bands. <laughs> we heard something from Fallon, original lead singer of Skid Row, and of course Skid Row and Pin Siren with Sister Whiskey and Spread Eagle with Switchblade Serenade. So that's right. You got a little overdose of uh, New Jersey bands, New Jersey rock, man. Dude, that all sucked. None of it sounded like Purple Man. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that uh you know we we run into the uh certain times in music history where you know there are bands that try to sound like other bands because that's you know what the record label was hunting for it's just like well if we if we could find another skid row mm -hmm. if, we, if we could find another bon jovi or if we could yeah. find another you know whatever it's just like it's just the overload it's just like well why don't you let skid row have their own sound and stop hunting for another band that sounds just like skid row yeah and back then it wasn't only the sound it was the look too yeah of course i know i i talked to um mark starachi a few months ago and mark was saying about they would be out and their manager would be like look at those guys clothes you gotta have clothes like those guys mm -hmm. so then they would go and have clothes made like those guys whoever those guys were and then it just would fail instantly yeah <laughs> you know it just because people look at it and go oh that's fucking lame oh well i think one of the biggest victims of the whole image thing mm -hmm. was was um uh what's his name the guy who did the stroke billy billy, billy squire. squire yeah yeah he tried to adopt this look in his video was it rock me tonight rock me tonight yeah and it, and it just destroyed his career yeah, his career ended literally with that yeah, video. It, it's just that video alone because of adopting some look or, you know, trying to copy a fashion or something like that. It just like destroyed his whole career. It did. It just was bad. It was. It was horrible. Yeah, just not not his best move. That is for damn sure. He really. Yeah, but but I guarantee you it probably wasn't his idea. It was probably some record record executive or some advisor and said you know you you need to look like this yeah you know and this was the mtv video age and vision was everything and 
you know, you gotta have this look, you know, and, and that's the whole thing. Everybody was looking for a certain whatever. Yeah. Yeah. This was just poor. Look at this yeah. shit. But oh. Yeah. But it destroyed his career. Sure did. Ugh. The guy dances around his apartment like that. Nobody. <laughs> no street guy. You know what, though? I have to admit, with Billy Squire, I'll let this video play, but we could talk over it. I always thought this guy was gay. Yeah. He's not. He's like been oh. married forever. Yeah, I know. I think we talked about that on the show before, but. Yeah, he, he comes off as a bit effeminate, you know. In, a bit? In, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, in this video especially. But prior to this, he didn't come off that effeminate. He was no. just sort of like a, you know, whatever. But this this, this whole the, the thing. skipping and shit. <laughs> was you just awful. see this, this director. Okay, now swing your arms. Right. Yeah, rip the shirt. Yeah. Right. Now, Put on this know, pink shirt. <laughs> the thing is, is if, if this was today's artist yeah. and you criticized it, you would be homophobic. Of course. Homophobic. Yeah. Just, ugh, this video is so bad. Yeah. Well, All the skipping and shit. What was he doing? Well, he was probably taking direction that this was probably, you know, whatever, you know, the, 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 again, image. <laughs> Image drove everything in this era of music. I know, but there was nobody that was doing this image. Who else did this image? Fucking boy, George. Well, I think you might be right. It's trying like to be a men at work video. Is, uh, well, see, you're, you're mentioning bands that, that kind of had these, I don't know what you want to call them. Gay overtones. faggy overtones. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> It, this is so. I mean, I mean, what what is this big steel thing hanging in the middle of the room? What is that? I, I don't know. Where was this guy? I mean, this is lonely as the night guy. I, that's, lonely as the night and the stroke and stuff like that. Why doesn't he just say no? I'm not going to dance around like a fruit. Why did he say okay? I'll do that because he probably had some manager saying this is going to take you way over the top. You've been successful so far, but this is really going to, you know, take you over the top. Yeah, it sure didn't. Well, that's what I'm saying. It just destroyed his career. It's yeah, awful. It really, it really did wreck him. Yep. But the set, the saddest part about the whole thing, that album actually is pretty good. Yeah. No one remembers that part other than <laughs> this song. The rest of the album was pretty goddamn good. All people remember is this fruity video. Of course. It's it was, like the gay Sammy Hagar at the same yeah, time. Yeah, because it was just so over the top. It was just baggy. And, and you know, attitudes changed since then that this this today, in today's world, this would be the norm. Yeah. He probably, no, he, he wouldn't even get noticed now. I guess it worked. He certainly got noticed. <laughs> So, I mean, people remember it. We remember it like it was yesterday. I was yeah, fucking well, 40 well, years ago. Well, that's because we, as guy guys, we look at this and go, what a fucking faggot. Dude, 
that was the worst, man. I was a huge Billy Squire fan. Oh, dude, the the loneliest of night and my kind of lover and the stroke and, and motions you know, in motion. Everybody, yeah, all everybody, that. Everybody listened to Billy Squire. He had yeah. some big records and big songs. Mm-hmm. And I, when I was DJing in the club in the late eighties, we were playing Billy Squire songs all the time. Hell yeah! I mean, I was such a fan. And I remember getting the album and I was like, yeah, yeah, cool. Get this album. And then this fucking video came out and all my buddies were like, aren't you a fan of that guy? <laughs> I was like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's really bad. Yeah. Just though, just bad news. Yeah. But I guess it didn't hurt him too bad. He's still out there doing it. Yeah. Well, I mean, he had a lot of songs. You know, a lot of he hits. did. He did have a lot of hits. Yeah, he probably had ten hits. Don't you think? Oh, easily. So he had like three on the first record, three on the set, or not the first record, but the first. Don't say no was the first big record, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had at least three on that. He had "Lonely as a Night." He had um, "The Stroke" and um, "My Kind of Lover." I think was on that, wasn't it? Or was that on "Emotions in Motion"? But he had my kind of lover. He had emotions in motion. He had um, that song, even though it's fucking awful. It was still a hit. <laughs> yeah, you know, rock me tonight. Then what was that song? All night long. That was him too, right? All night long. Don't you want to live? Yeah, not not yeah. the Lionel Richie song. No, not that one. <laughs> All night long. I know that one too. Exactly. <laughs> Grew up in that era. <laughs> you tell me what is the issue he's a fag jeez. <laughs> oh, take it easy there fucking tony speaking of that oh Polly walnuts died Polly walnuts kicks the bucket that just fucking sucked dude in one day all in one in literally 24 hours Polly walnuts and santino corleone yeah james con died too and james con died what a fucking bad week this was. And, and, uh, you know, what was it just two weeks ago that, uh, Henry Hill died? No, Henry Hill's been dead for a while. Hasn't he? I'm talking about his character. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was gonna say not, he's been dead for years. Hasn't not he? The, not the real Henry Hill. Right. Ray Liotta. Yeah. Ray Liotta died. Yeah. Wow. The mob guy's going on fucking getting whacked by God. Exactly. Exactly. God hates us all. God hates hates great gangsters anyway. Jeez. Exactly. Exactly. Hey, you're on the air. Hi, God. Hey, what's up, Tim? Team James. Um, I'm ringing you to let you know Billy Squire is a multi, multi millionaire. Well, I'm sure he is. I mean, you know, he was a success. No, no. He was a successful guy. I, I mean, he may have branched out outside of music, kind of like what Sammy Hagar did, or or um, what's the guy the 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 burger and cheeseburger and the oh Jimmy Buffett. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a big time, big multi multi millionaire outside of music. No, he how how Billy Squire became a multi millionaire. It was. It was, and I ripped this off Eddie Trunk, of course. Um, how he became a multimillionaire is he became, I think it's, I think it's the stroke, might be the stroke, but there's some samples that were in 
Billy Squire's music, right, in in his recordings, and every every rap artist on the face of the earth has used those samples. So they sampled his music and, and he got a residual from it. Yeah, no, he, but he but he's like apparently he's like the most successful sampled artist of all time. All right, fair and enough. He, He's earning he earned a truckload of money from it. Good on but him. It how, wasn't. How much? How much is in a truckload, uh, Tim? I think he's at least worth forty mil. Huh? Forty million. It's not bad. So he can dance around in a leotard if he wants to. He can leave your friends behind. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought you might want to know that piece of useless information. It was useless. <laughs> Did he suck a dick? You know, Tim watched that video over and over and over as a kid. He went, mm. oh, Billy. He's a slender body on that man. I'd like to skip around the room with him. Right. He's <laughs> <laughs> very slender. Dude, give me a little bit. They're throwing names of Billy Squire songs in the chat room. Now I want to hear some of them. All right. Give me a little, me a little bit of Everybody Wants You. Oh, yeah. Everybody Wants You. <laughs> I like Billy Squire. I, still I do, do, too. I still do. I'm a big fan. I, I'm a fan. I don't care if he is gay or straight or whatever. Well, I, he, I, don't, rocks. I don't think he's gay. I just think that uh, he, he had some bad advice. Yeah. Sal's probably right in the chat room. Billy was going for the flash dance thing, which was right about that time. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine your producer coming to you? You know, there's this movie flash dance. We want you to do that. You used to be manly, but now you're going to be flash dance. But again, this was, this was all about vision. Everything was visual. You know, it wasn't about the music. It wasn't about the songs. It was about the vision. Yeah. All right, what song were you looking for? Everybody wants you. Uh, let's see. There we go. All right, here we go. Yeah, manly. See, that's a man's song. <laughs> I, I just remember back, uh, you know, th- this came out with 80. Like, like two or one or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was popular when I graduated high school. Yeah, is that on Emotions in Motion? Uh, which one is this off here? Uh, Emotions in Motion. Yeah. 82. 
I and dude, that's just such it starts with the revving of the cars and shit. It's so manly. Yes. It's hard to believe that the same guy did that fucking video. Yeah, guy, it's guy shit. It's a guy tune. Give me some emotions in motion while we're at it. That's another guy tune. Yeah. yeah. And we'll definitely play my kind of lover. Yeah, and in the dark, all these songs. They're guy oh, yeah. tunes. Yeah. <laughs> they're not gay tunes, they're guy tunes. Right. Emotions in motion, huh? Yeah. Hey, would would you believe that song isn't even on the top ten of the Spotify? Emotions in motions, is yeah. it? No. Wow. That was a big yeah. one for him, wasn't it? I, I think so. Emotions in motion. Track, track number two on the on the uh, album of the same name. The self-release. Yeah. That's so a good album. Just hear this. You're like, come here, bitch. This is a very porn vibe. Yeah. This is a very porny song. <laughs> yeah. It's a horny, porny song. Yeah. And, and to just go from this to the gay sound is just terrible. You know what? You know what's the most consistent? And I just realized this listening to the song because I literally have not heard this in a long time. Prize is 1982. No, I, I heard it since then, but it's just the consistent bass line that just is just oh, yeah. a repetitive bass line. Doom, do, 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 do. They play that through the entire song without, without breaking at all. Yeah, it's probably a loop. Well, regardless of how they did it, but, but the thing that makes this song kind of stand out for dudes mm-hmm. is just the power chords of the guitar. Oh yeah. You know, it's just, just mm-hmm. always just this power chord, just, mm-hmm. you know, reverberating through the whole song. It's just like, it's, it's a testosterone fueled song. Yeah. That's Billy Squire was definitely radio friendly guy rock. <laughs> I mean, it was radio. 
It was. But, but back then, radio didn't always mean awful. No. Back then, there was a lot of good bands that were also on the radio. And Billy Squire was one of them. And that, that's why it was, I think that's why when Rock Me Tonight came out, we were all just so devastated. Because it was like, <laughs> he was such a guy. Yeah, it was just like, dude songs, man. It's about fucking chicks, man. Yeah, and then it just went from guy to gay in like a hurry. Like, oh, and, and I think you're absolutely right about that. You're absolutely dead on. It's just like, you know, Billy Squire was singing in the dark and rock me tonight and all that. Shit. And then the stroke, then it was just like, ah, I, I, this was, then he's skipping point. around a fucking apartment, well, fucking well, wearing pink shirts. Well, this is, this is like the Judas priest fan hearing that rob halford is gay and yeah it was like uh, yeah. what he was singing about sucking a cock no can't be i sang those lyrics it can't be <laughs> yeah i i dude i i will tell you for a fact i i went and reanalyzed the stroke once i saw rock me tonight i was like oh is he not he's not singing about stroking a dude is he <laughs> So now you had to question your yeah. own. You had to question your own taste because you like that song. Exactly. Of course. I was like, oh my God, am I going down the culture club path? It's like, I'm not gay. No, not a gay man. Exactly. Not sucking a dick. Where do I learn to swallow a sword? Oh, Jesus. It just was such a, such a culture shock with that rock me tonight song. Yeah. Ugh. Noise right there that oh, <laughs> sound like a door slamming or something yeah <laughs> you know one of the songs that stands out for me personally mm -hmm. one of the you know one of the performers out there that uh that i you know enjoyed quite a bit and i got to see in person and whatnot was sam kinnison sure and when sam kinnison was killed in a car accident uh I was driving a truck. This was back in what well, I think it was like 92. Okay. When, when Sam Kinison got, uh, killed. And I remember, and it's like this, you know, how people talk about, well, I remember where I was when I heard that Kennedy got shot, you know, right. one of those deals. Well, I remember where I was when I heard that Sam Kinison got killed. Okay. 
I was uh, driving a truck. I was up on Interstate 90. I was driving through Buffalo, New York on the uh, New York Thruway. And I was listening to some local Buffalo rock station up there. And and I remember it was around four o'clock in the afternoon, four or five o'clock in the afternoon. As I was driving and listening to the rock station, the uh, DJ came on and said that, uh, that it was announced that uh, Sam Kinison had got killed in a car wreck. Okay. And I was just like, are you shitting me? And I, I, I mean, it was just like, because, because I love Sam Kennison still do to this day, because he was definitely one of a kind. Sure. And, uh, you know, as, as he was kind of announcing, you know, what had happened and so on and so forth in, uh, honor of Sam Kennison, he played lonely as the night. Oh, wow. You know, he's just like, wow, this is just like, you know, just kind of devastating mm-hmm. and uh played the song and that kind of stuck with me forever because it was just like wow that just kind of like was bad news sure well, at least he tributized him with a good song though yeah so anyway just thought i'd, th- I'd throw this song in here all right now yeah, let's hear it i love lonely isn't that great tune more meaty guitar And your mind is not your own Lonely is the night When there's no one left to call You feel the time is right Say the right is on the wall It's a hard time to fight when the walls are closing in, call it what you like. It's time you got to win. Lonely, lonely, lonely. Your spirit's sinking down. You find you're not the only stranger in this town. Red lights, green lights, stop and go die. Headlines, deadlines, jamming your dude just had a bigness in all of his instrumentation he did i mean and you think about it his biggest hits came right after the 70s i mean you know the his albums and this one has come from don't say no in 81 and then uh he had the next one in 82 and he just had some big he just had that big guitar sound yeah the only guy i could think of that had as big a guitar sound and this guy made a career out of it even more than Squire because he really didn't have the songs to back it, but his guitar was so big that people just liked him anyway. George Thorogood. Yeah, he, he, but 
but I mean Van Halen. Uh, but yeah, but Eddie was—they had the songs. I would—I I will argue all day long that that George Thorogood and the Destroyers just didn't have any good songs, but their guitar sound was so fucking fierce that people liked it. Well, true. Because I mean, when you—I mean, really, when you think about it, one bourbon, one scotch, one beer. Or bad to the bone, down, 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 bad. Exactly. If you take out that guitar and put in a weak guitar on that song, that song goes nowhere. Right. It's just that he had a huge guitar song. Sure. Sound. You know, the only song that George Thorogood ever, ever did in my mind that was truly great. I'm going to challenge you on this one to bring this one up. It was the opening track on the album Maverick called Gear Jammer which is just, again, ripping guitar. But the music sounds like it's fresh out of a Sha Na Na video. <laughs> well, I he mean, did like that rockabilly sound. Yeah. Though. Well, and, and that's to my point. I'm not trying, and look at everybody's already getting upset. I'm not saying <laughs> Thorough Good wasn't good. I'm saying that, I'm saying that if he didn't have that fierce guitar playing, those songs would have been average at best. Sure. But the fierceness of his guitar made his music work. And what was the song you were looking for? Gear Jammer. Oh. All right. All right. Let's play that tune. That was the leadoff track from Maverick. From Maverick. Yeah. From 1985. Yep. All right. obvious that the you know the thing that stands out about that is just the overwhelming guitar sound yeah i mean take the guitar out of it you got born to the hand jive baby <laughs> it sounds like the same fucking song it does you know i can see john travolta dancing to it with fucking sandy <laughs> but it's got that guitar that makes it like a man song yeah it's testosterone driven yeah. man he's driving his truck down the highway driving through 23 states just don't fuck with this gear jammer fucking yeah. right i ain't gonna fuck with him he's the gear jammer exactly yeah that's that shit's solid 
That's a good album, by the way. That's that's probably my favorite of the George Thorogood records. No, he, he, was, he, was, he was hitting his pinnacle at that point. I think he was after, because wasn't the stuff before it was all bad to the bone and well, one scotch I, and a bourbon? I, I mean, the song on this, uh, another one is I Drink Alone is on this. Oh, is that on that one? I yep. Drink Alone. All by myself. Yeah, with nobody else. <laughs> Again, another song average at best except for the fucking guitars right give it let's play a little of that see if that see if that one is see if people think that's really good if it didn't have this guitar right there right right from the jump it's immediately big big guitar intro right from the start men drink alone with nobody else so when i drink alone i prefer to be by myself <laughs> yeah how insightful <laughs> so funny just bad it's not a great song it's not a great song lyrically it's not a great song it's kind of tongue-in-cheek just kind of silly actually it, it's literally the sequel to one scotch one bourbon one beer or whatever oh, of course it is you know, it's literally like, oh, we got to have another one of those. Yeah. It's, so they it's just wrote that one. One scotch, one bourbon, one beer, part two. Yeah, we need that. I'm sure there was some dumb record executive saying, listen, George, give us another one of those. Give us another song about drinking. Right. That's manly. And put some guitar over it and maybe some saxophone. It'll be great. <laughs> is Clarence Clemens available? Yeah. Well, is, he did it and it worked. Is I'll the big it. is the big man available? Is that Clemens that played on those oh, records? I have no idea. I'm just using him as an example. What's Eddie Money doing these days? Can he come over and play yeah. some horns? Yeah, where's Walter Perizator? Is he available? Yeah. Where's the guy from um, Huey Lewis? <laughs> that, they had a sax guy, didn't they? Yeah, Huey they Lewis? Did. Yeah, of course. Was it Huey? I don't even know who it was, but I should. I've seen Huey. Oh, yeah. breakfast. I don't want no coffee or tea. Just me and my good buddy Wiser. That's all I ever need. Cause I drink alone. Yeah, with nobody else. Yeah, you know what I drink alone. I prefer to be by myself. You know, that's like a like an ode to uh, the doors, isn't it? Jim Morrison said, I woke up this morning and got myself a beer. Yeah. That's, I think that's Sal's theme song. Yeah. I drink alone <laughs> when watching Fox News. <laughs> it's eight o'clock in the morning. 
that might be early, but that time is just right to not drink any tea because I drink alone. Exactly. Yeah, while watching Fox News. <laughs> just busting your chops, Sal. Take it easy. I don't hate you. I keep that in mind, Sal. I don't hate you. It's just a joke. I want to tell you a story. All right. About the house when blue. I come home one Friday. Had to tell the landlady I done lost my job. She said that don't confront me. Long as I get my money next Friday. Now next Friday I come I didn't get the rent. And out the door I went. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The the George Thurgood songs, the guitar tells a story. Yeah, without him, he stinks. Very, very prominent. The guitar yeah. is very, very prominent. And and without him, he would not be good. Right. I mean, that's just and I'm not saying he would have played songs with no guitar, but I, I think his guitar was so bombastic that it really emphasized his music. It did. You know, and again, I don't hate George Thorogood. I just don't think that he was like this incredible songwriter either. He was like Steve Miller with big guitars. Yeah, he he captured he captured the uh, guitar sound that uh, you know. And, and well, speaking of Steve Miller, Steve Miller, uh, have you seen Steve Miller Band? Yes, mm -hmm. I, I saw Steve Miller. Boy, I'm trying to think how many times I've seen him. At least at least six times. Okay. You I've seen him a few Miller? times. Are, are you a Steve Miller fan? I like some of it. I, I hated the end. I hated when it became Abra, Abra, Cadabra. Oh, you know that, dude, if you say that was the end. That was, that was like the end of his hits. That was 1982. Yeah, that was the end of his hits. <laughs> Do you have any hits after that? Uh, Let me see. Uh, let me see if he had anything after that. Oh, I mean, I, I like all that big old jet airliner. Most of his songs were in the seventies. Yeah. The Joker, uh, take the money and run. Yeah. Uh, all good. fly like an Eagle jet liner, uh, the Joker jungle love swing town. Yeah. I mean, those are all in the seventies after 82, it was over. Yeah, you're right. Because Abacadabra was uh, 80 shit and it pushed him right out of the business. It was yeah. a garbage song. <laughs> it was popular. It played a lot okay. on the radio. It I don't care. You know what? Africa was a popular song from Toto and it's fucking terrible. Well, what I'm trying to say is, though, it was a big hit for him. Oh, sure. You I know, agree. Because I remember 82, that that was a summer of 82, man. That, mm -hmm. that played a ton on commercial radio. I'll, I'll say this. It wasn't as good as any of the Asia hits from the same year, <laughs> All right. which I'm going to see Thursday. Thank God. All right. Yeah, I, dude, I hate that. <laughs> well, th see, here's an, here's a, an example like Billy Squire where Steve Miller had to do something to try to stay current or trendy or uh -huh. whatever you want to call it, because this is unlike any other Steve Miller song. Steve Miller was always a guitar driven band. 
Yeah. Vocal and guitar. And this has got the synthesizer keyboards and, you know, what yeah. was going on at that time. Dude. And so they just try to adapt Steve Miller to the current trend that was mm -hmm. going on. Dude, literally some producer heard the Greg Kinn band doing Jeopardy and said, here, write that again. Exactly. Because yeah. that those two songs are goddamn near the exact same well, song. Let, let's can do a comparison here. Let's, let's do that because I'm telling you they're the same song. All right, let's do this. the thing steve miller has always been known as a guitar driven man yeah but what do you hear in this song so far it's all keyboards exactly it's awful full of desire kiss me baby let the fire get higher synthesizer the whole th the whole time i'm just watching the fruits behind me in the club dancing to this beat <laughs> it's a fucking terrible song all right well let's well let's play some jeopardy from uh greg kin band yeah same song That's the same. <laughs> That's exactly the same. Well, it was a formula. That's yeah. Here's how you make thing. shit. <laughs> well, whatever, for whatever reason, the commercial outlets were, you know, gravitating toward this kind of stuff. And it was just like, well, this is what's hot. This is what's selling. Let's, let's do more of that. Yeah, you what know, was Greg Kinn's big hit like before that? Because he had a hit, and then he put out that, and it was like over. Well, that's interesting that you would ask that. Okay, because, because I'm looking at this this chart here. Yeah, according to Spotify, anyway, mm -hmm. he had uh, 10 million plays with this Jeopardy song. Okay, ahead of that. 
is a song called the break up break, song. break up song yeah this has got three times the amount of play yeah it was a big hit really i i'm gonna have to play it because yeah i, I gotta be honest i don't know if i know it or not yeah i remember the breakup song 30 million plays mm-hmm. it probably ended up in a movie or something and that's why but all right the breakup song yeah i remember all this. right all right here we go they don't ride them like that anymore uh, 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 uh. is that the song it's yeah they just don't ride them like that anymore all right yeah <laughs> that song <laughs> then he followed with jeopardy it's like dude there was so many of those bands that like had like a couple of really good songs like donny iris was another one donny iris had like two really good songs and then two two or three really fucking terrible songs right you know i i mean everybody likes aliyah aliyah was a big one and was that rock, rock. love is like a rock love is like a rock yeah but then after that what is there nothing nothing he had two good songs yeah but but i always thought and and believe it or not i always thought that song was the hollies because listen to this i know this of course you do song right that's the hollies yeah that's the hollies. i always thought that was creedence clearwater revival <laughs> that sounds like ccr to me it, it does it has a very ccr sound but i always thought that that uh the breakup song was the hollies oh that's that's greg kin yeah i know i know it now yeah greg kin because he had that great song and he followed up with fucking jeopardy <laughs> just a terrible terrible song Yeah, 
badass song. I like that. That's song. a cool song. Yeah. You what know, Greg the, Kinn is still out there touring. He is. I, I agree. I know he is. 72 years young. <laughs> well, well, same way with, you know, who, uh, Greg Kinn, as far as like the, uh, synthesized keyboards reminds me of who's that is, um, what's a guy from the, from the disco era, the, uh, he did the um dancing shoes song dancing shoes what's his name oh, let's look at dancing shoes dancing shoes uh nigel olson oh no 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 well, that's the song dancing shoes he was he was really popular in the disco era um Song written by Carl Story and present performed by Nigel Olson. Right. I don't know. I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know uh, the song. So, oh, what the hell's his name? He uh, was Elton John's drummer. No, that's not him. Um, boogie shoes, boogie shoes, not dancing shoes. Boogie shoes. Yeah. Boogie shoes. He seen a sunshine band. Yeah, yeah, he's still out there touring. Oh, yeah. Didn't they open for Van Halen on some tour recently? <laughs> I like, oh no, did he? I think in like 2012 or something, I think Casey and the Sunshine Band was the opening band for Van Halen. Well, he's still out there touring around. Is it all new Sunshine Band? Uh, who knows? Probably. <laughs> but he's still out there doing his thing. Of course. What was their hit? Casey well, and Sunshine Band? Oh, yeah, uh, boogie shoes. Um, that's the way I like it. That's the way. Uh huh. Uh -huh yeah, yeah. The one. same thing. Yeah. He, he capitalized on, on that whole keyboard thing. Well, yeah, it was disco. Yeah. But, but that's when the whole, uh, electronic music thing started really taking hold. Mm hmm. Yeah. Saturday night fever made all that shit fashionable. Mm hmm. That is a kind of music that really didn't hold up though. Did it? It was a very short lived thing. And none of that shit is any good. Now, if you ever go back and listen to the fucking tramps or something like that, you'd just be like, what the hell? Well, how about Blondie? Blondie bought into that. I mean, obviously they were out before the whole disco thing, yeah. but they, you know, they tried to adopt the disco yeah. sound. If Blondie looked like Ann Wilson, she wouldn't have had a career. <laughs> they were not very, I don't care what anybody says. They were not very good. No. Well, they, they'll admit that they weren't very good as far as, you know, uh, competent musicians, yeah. but they were at the right place at the right time and sort mm -hmm. of, had, and again, this goes back to the whole image thing that uh, Blondie as the vocalist lead singer, she sort of had a certain thing about her that, mm -hmm. that captured people's attention. Yeah. And then there was all those knockoffs of her. Remember, uh, was it moving pictures or missing persons or I think missing yeah, persons, well, of, course, of course, missing persons, the motels. Yeah. Not around the motels. I liked the motels suddenly last summer. Yeah, of course. I didn't like seeing the 80 year old version of it that we got to see with <laughs> fucking Eric, but <laughs> that was a bit tough.
the only thing I can think of is when I hear that song is is a scene in the movie um, Mall Rats. Okay. When they go to the mall. Yeah. This song is playing. Right. They go see the chick with the three nipples. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> is that song playing? That's is the it, song that's playing in that in that scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they go to the when they go to the mall and he pulls up when his mom's station wagon and they're playing that song. Yeah, I just don't remember the song, but I, I believe you. I I just don't remember the song. <laughs> but, uh, give me a little no more words. Mo- missing persons. All right. Pictures or whatever that is. No more words. Yeah. Cause that was, what year was that? Do you remember? Ah, uh, this was, uh, this was Berlin. Is it Berlin? Yeah. Yeah. Berlin. I thought it was missing persons. Same, same era. All right. Take my breath away. Yeah. that song i guess i'm billy squire gay i guess i'm 1984 billy squire right well phil it wasn't phil collins take my wealth away stop it (laughs) Well, well you know you know uh capitalizing on the you know the the late 70s disco era the quote unquote the punk band known as blondie yeah had to try to capitalize on that as well. He did. thing 
lot of big over the top synthesizer, a lot of hand claps. Yeah, you see the, people, uh, the people in the club, they're behind you. They're all yeah. clapping. They're jamming the to it. Yeah, they're enjoying some Blondie. Yeah, I've got it piped into there. Everything that we're playing, <laughs> they're just jamming away. That was, that was a weird era, man. It was that early or late 70s, early 80s. It was like nobody really knew what they wanted to do. Well, that that's the whole thing. It was just like everybody, nobody could find their way. It was just like nobody kind of stood out. And mm-hmm. that's why Van Halen rose to the top. Yeah. Is because, because they cut their own path. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, yeah, we're not buying into the whole synthesizer, you know, tweaking around, trying to figure out where we're going. But but that was the whole thing with the 1984 album that they kind of succumbed to it. It's like, yeah, we're doing jump. We're we're throwing some keyboards. In there. Yeah. It's, it's like, what the fuck? Yeah. That is is that do you would you argue that that is the worst Van Halen album? I won't say it's the worst. I mean, obviously they were looking for commercial success after, you know, how long they'd been together, like six to seven years seven already, years, eight years. Yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah. And, and, you know, commercially, whoever was their management or whatever, they decided that, well, this is the direction you need to go to really, mm-hmm. really push you over to the top because at this point, two years prior they had played that uh us festival yeah and they were the biggest band in the land at that time oh yeah oh yeah well we're gonna make you even bigger than that mm-hmm. you know and so they and it did and they gravitated toward the whole synthesized keyboard thing and yeah. they put out 1984 well didn't they start it though on diver down with dancing uh, in the streets, but that Diver Down was more of a covers record. It really wasn't a Van Halen record. It's yeah, kinda, it's kind of like what I call like a GNR Lies. It was kind of like a holdover record until they mm-hmm. could put out something new. So yeah. it's like, well, let's put out something to satisfy the fans. Let's throw something out in there. You know, we don't have to write anything. We don't have to do anything original. Let's. Well, yeah. Let's, I'm, let's, just, I'm just saying that, but that was the first time that they really popped some keyboards into yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, that they played around with something like that. Sure. Yeah. I'm sure Eddie did that on that song, Dancing in the Streets, was like, huh, I kind of like doing this. <laughs> let's do some more. I, I just look at the Roth albums. That's the worst to me. Yeah. Yeah. What, I mean, what's worse than that? Not, well, as far as the Roth era goes, mm-hmm. nothing. Because, nothing. Because, because it was gritty guitar driven rock all the way up to that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're doing do, 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 do. I hate that song. Well, exa- exactly. But the thing is, is they were capitalizing on yeah. the whole MTV era mm-hmm. that well, we're, we're current. We're, we're hot. We're fresh. I mean, yeah. even, even my favorite, one of my favorite bands, Chicago, they, they went into Chicago 17 that was all keyboard synthesizer bullshit, you know, mm-hmm. all of it was. Yeah. What do you remember the first time you heard jump? Cause if I'm not mistaken, that was the first single. Yeah, I was yeah, it was, it was, it was, no, jump. It was, it was jump and it, and it had an MTV video. Yeah, yeah of course. And everybody yeah. went, what the fuck are these guys doing? Yeah. Yeah. 
that was a that was another one. That was another Billy Squire moment right at the same time because it was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, what are they doing? Uh, what and is then they redeem themselves with Panama, but yeah, what is this? Is this your rhythmics? Yeah, good point. Yeah, what is this? Yeah, I, I remember seeing that video because they did one of their MTV wait till midnight to <laughs> watch it on a Friday. And I did like a fucking mental patient. Yeah, I stayed up to watch it. And I just remember watching. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> you know, I was like, what, what happened to Van Halen? You know, I, you know, I hated that. Song. I still hate that song. Alan <laughs> kill caller. You're on the air. I think some of that's only partly right. What, what only some of what is partly right. About about nineteen eighty four, going going back to Diver Down, it was it was David Lee Roth, right, that wanted to do all those covers. All that David Lee Roth wanted to do, Dancing in the Street and Where Have All the Good Times Gone, and he 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 was the one that wanted to do all those covers, right? And Eddie Eddie was dead against it. He just didn't want to do it anyway. They ended up doing it, and Eddie was. Eddie was really, really upset that that album was what it was. And then, um, because you got to remember, Eddie was like a classical pianist, right? And Eddie was like a obviously a musical genius. And so he he came up with this whole jump thing, but and he was playing it to people, and people didn't get it. And Don, uh, the Ted Templeman didn't want him to do it and David Lee Roth didn't want him to do it but he was determined he said yes this is what I'm going to do so he ended up locking those guys out of the recording studio or at least locking Ted Templeman out of the recording studio and he refused to give Ted Templeman the master tapes because Ted Templeman was dead against it and Eddie's like no this is what we're doing this is what I'm doing I know exactly what I'm doing and of course then it went on to become monstrous and and i don't know i mean you know i understand if you don't like it but that that album that album is a cornerstone van halen album <laughs> oh stop it cornerstone wait a minute tim so you that's, think it's better than all of the other roth albums no i'm not saying that is no, it better I'm, than van halen I'm, one well yeah, let's go through them is it better than van halen one the self-titled Van Halen album is the cornerstone album. It's definitely, it's definitely as good as Van Halen one. Oh no! Yes, yes. Nuts! You're fucking nuts, Tim. It's not as good as Van Halen one. What are you? Get the fuck out of here. Have you been smoking a cock over there, Tim? Tim. Well, well, it was the it was the first Van Halen song I ever heard. Well, that's you. It doesn't mean anything. It's not. It's not better than Van Halen one. You are literally the only person on the planet that would say that. Are you okay? All right. So you're telling me. You're telling me that that Panama and Drop Dead Legs and and Jump, whether you like it or not, Jump was huge. And I don't care if it was huge. It wasn't good. As we established earlier in the yeah. segment, Greg Kin Jeopardy was huge. It didn't make it good. So was a uh, Steve Miller band Abracadabra didn't make it good. Not in 1980, 1984 was a master. 
masterpiece, dude. No, it's not. It's not a masterpiece. It's a it's, it's a flawed it, album. It's a commercial successful release, but it isn't a great it, album. It was every bit as successful as the first uh, time. It doesn't matter. We're talking successful here. We're talking about integrity wise. Musically, it is the worst album of the David Lee Roth era. But didn't but didn't he didn't Eddie continue that if it was so if it was so much the worst album didn't he continue that vibe onto fifty one fifty he did he did like, but they went very poppy once uh, you know Sammy Hagar joined they brought in a they brought in a softer singer to to fucking meet Eddie's vision. No, no, they brought in another singer because David Lee Roth. Not another, a softer, a softer singer. They, they didn't get a. They didn't pick a guy who was as gruff or as as aggressive as a David Lee Roth. They brought in a more tame, you know, more um, melodic singer than than David Lee Roth. There's no, there's no, there's no way, there's no way. I'm, I'm, I just agree. There's no way that, that Sammy Hagar's Sammy Hagar's way more, or at least every bit as aggressive as Dave Rock. Stop more than, it! Listen to get up. Do I, do I have to pull? Do I have to pull out Eagles Fly? Or your love is driving me crazy? Or you know most of his hits? I, dude, I'm not saying that Sammy's a pussy. I'm saying that. David Lee Roth had a certain sound, a gruff, raw sound. Sammy Hagar was a hit writer. Yeah. Uh, Sammy David, Hagar made hits. David Lee Roth had a dirtier sound about him. It was dark. It was bluesy. was just a dark, uh, dirty sound. And Sammy Hagar was the happy, upbeat, poppy guy. Well, I'll say, I'll say this. David Lee Roth can't sing. Well, well, we we we've established that for years. We we all agree with that, but he still has a very dirtier sound than uh, Sammy Hagar. Yeah, it's, I just I don't know. I just think Sammy Hagar was capable of so much more. <laughs> well, he probably was, but he was too busy making his zillions on fucking alcohol. Yeah, he was selling his tequila, his <laughs> Cabo Wabo tequila. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I mean, I guess, I mean, I guess, yeah, he definitely Roth has a, has a gruff sound, but let me I'm glad that. you see it that way now after we convinced you. <laughs> well, no, but well, I, still, I still say that not, I still say that 1984 is a freaking cornerstone. It's not a cornerstone. It's not. It's a commercially successful MTV hit record. That's what it is. It's not a cornerstone. It's a jukebox record. You're going to say that. Next, you're going to say that Hysteria is not a cornerstone record or something. It, 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 for that band, it is because they didn't want to be a metal band. They wanted to be a pop band, and that's the record that, that made them one. I don't know. I mean, you couldn't. What you don't couldn't you know? How, how can you argue that point? They had fucking seven, what, six hits off of that one album? Clearly, that made them a pop band. Right. They never went back to being metal. They they became a rock, a soft rock band from that moment on. 
how can you? I don't understand. I don't understand how you can say that the, the, the Van Halen one was a cornerstone album. Absolutely, no, 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 beyond a shadow of a doubt. That was the that was the most important album for guitar playing since Jimi Hendrix. No, no. Yeah. But 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 how can you? I don't understand how you can say that 1984 wasn't just as influential it, because it, it wasn't. It, it was a it was ear candy. It was an ear candy record. That's what it is. It it was a MTV pop ear candy record. It 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 wasn't uh, avant garde as it were. It wasn't original. It wasn't a breakthrough record. It was it was a formulaic uh, release that that appealed to radio and MTV. That's all it, it was, was. It was the record that brought Van Halen back to the mass, back to the pack. Van Halen was fifteen steps ahead of the pack for every record until nineteen eighty four, and then I'll wait and Hot for Teacher and all the videos made them a video band. They were. Yeah. They were like Michael Jackson. They weren't it, better. It, it just even the playing field with yeah. everything else that was going on at that time. That's all it did. I just, I'll, I'll hang up, but I just remember that album being very influential. It was. It was a big record. It was Nobody, a big record. But it's not as far as integrity, as far as the integrity of a record is concerned. It wasn't a cornerstone record. A cornerstone record means that established the band for what they're remembered for. I'll put it this way. If you ask a thousand people what the best Van Halen record is, you're, you will be lucky if you get 20 that say 1984. Everybody will say Van Halen 1 or Van Halen 2 or Fair Every, Warning. Everybody remembers Running with the I Devil. Didn't, I, didn't say, I didn't say it was the best Van Halen record. It's not. A, it's not a. It's the worst fan. It's the worst of that era, of the Roth era. It's the worst. Cornerstone. <laughs> there's, no, there's no. There's no way. There's no way that it is worse than Diver Down. <laughs> Diver Down's yeah. not an album. It's Diver an EP. Diver Down. Diver Down. I love Diver Down. It was my first Van Halen record. But there's no way. Diver Down is an EP, for. Tim. I said album, not EP. Well. There's only like two minutes difference between the length of Diver Down. I don't give a shit if there's two seconds four. difference. There, one is considered an EP and one is considered an album. Who considers Diver Down an EP? It is an EP. Look it up. Nah. It's got, nah. It's got 12 songs on it. Tim, it's an EP. It's 33 minutes or whatever. It's an EP. All right, Highland Kill. <laughs> it goes away all defeated and shit. Yeah. And now that he left, now I'll say, no, it's not an EP. <laughs> 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 but I wasn't going to say it when he was here. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, since you're a Van Hagar fan, I'll let you pick a Van Hagar tune since right. we're playing the synthesized keyboard stuff. So, uh, We'll uh we'll play some Sammy shit. So take us out of the segment. So what what should we play? Um, how about if we go? Let me think about this one for a second here. 
Uh, about um aftershock from Balance. All right, and we can do that. That's something different. Yeah, that's different. It's that's like one of the least played records aside from the Gary Sharon record. Yeah. See these guys be like, you fucking suck. Why aren't you playing a Roth tune? Yeah, man. Well, in my opinion, this balance record, this is the cornerstone of the whole Van Halen catalog. Yeah, this opinion. is the cornerstone. This would be the cornerstone of that <laughs> year's Van Halen records. <laughs> this is of the all- cornerstone of any nutritious <laughs> breakfast. Of all of the Van Halen records released that year, balance was the cornerstone. <laughs> exactly. Stop it, Tim. <laughs> all right. Well, here's uh, Van Hagar from the balance release, and it's, uh, what is it? Uh, Aftershock. Exclusively yep. here. On your classic metal show. Thanks for checking out this episode of the classic metal show. Get all of our episodes uncensored at www.theclassicmetalshow.com. Join us weekly from 9 p.m. till 3 a.m. Eastern at www.cmsradio.net. Participate in the live chat room at www.chatandkill.com. Once again, thank you for checking out The Classic Metal Show with Neely and Chris. Hail and kill. Fuck you, pal. Ninja!